Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode here on the Cover 7 podcast. And, you know, guys, today I wanted to introduce a new series of episodes we're going to be doing here in the off season. You know, beforehand, we would always do those, you know, kind of every other day episodes that recap all the action that's been going on. But instead, I'm going to introduce a new series, and it's going to be called Catching Up with College Football. We'll also do the same thing with the NFL once the NFL season's over with. But since college football season is about to start wrapping up, I figured it'd be a great time to get episode one underway. And definitely since we've been getting a ton of news in the college football world, transfer portals have been absolutely lighting up. You know, not, and that's not the only mass exodus we've seen so far here in the college football landscape. We've seen a ton of head coaches absolutely jump to new programs, you know, new environments. And, I mean, college football is going to look a lot different in 2023. So make sure you buckle up, go get your popcorn, go get your coffee because we've got a lot we need to talk about. And I'll make sure I don't blabble like I normally do, you know, in our reviews or in our reviews like I normally do with our previews and recaps, but definitely we do have a little bit to talk about. So guys, sit back, relax, and I hope y'all enjoy this new series. Let me know what y'all think down below. And I mean, hey, this this definitely is going to be a fun episode to make because obviously the offseason is kind of when college football gets really entertaining. So anyways, I don't want to keep yabbling. I don't want to waste y'all's time. Don't want to waste my time either. But please make sure you like, comment, share, rate, do whatever you can just to make sure we continue to spread the Cover 7 podcast to everybody so that they can also stay up to date with anything college football and NFL related. So further away, guys, let's get right into today's episode. And to kick it all off, we're going to start talking about some transfer portal news we've got now that the regular season is a officially over with you know we've already seen how the 2022 campaign's gone there's gonna be a lot of players that did really good and were on really bad teams and are going to want to be going to bigger programs and to kick it all off let's talk a little bit about texas a&m um texas a&m as we all know was supposed to be contending for national championships this year you know you get the number one class in recruiting history or at once in terms of when they first started actually tracking recruits get the number one class in history you beat out alabama you beat out all your sec foes and then once the season wraps up, you're now five and seven, five and seven, and looking back at you know what did we do wrong? You know they've already addressed it a little bit in terms of coaching. They fired their offensive coordinator, which is a huge step in the right direction. They're already targeting a few other guys. I would not be shocked if DJ Durkin also leaves. I know he's been doing pretty solid, but definitely the talent has helped him kind of keep his job a little bit because he has had a couple really bad schemes so far for AM on defense but you know also a lot of people looking at Jimbo Fisher you know wondering if he's going to get released yada 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 no guys AM, they're going to hold on to Jimbo Fisher despite what everybody wants and I know you know probably there's a better head coach candidate out there which they're nine times out of ten will be but obviously he's a huge uh, buyout if you're going to want to get him out of that contract and I know AM, they're not going to want to cough up all of those millions just to get that head coach away. Because once again, Jimbo Fisher, he did win a national championship with the Florida State Seminoles. And yes, you could say he was riding on Jameis Winston's coattails and that whole Florida State team. But regardless, he still does have that national championship to his resume. But anyway, like I was going to talk about, the transfer portal. We all knew going into this year, and A&M, I think, knew it themselves, they were going to have a ton of guys transferring out, right? You get all of these five stars and four star kids. But then you also have to remember about the years previous when you got all those five stars and four star kids that, you know, you promised playtime and now they're going to keep going down the depth chart, down the depth chart, and they're going to want to get out. And they actually have lost some decent talent. I know AM fans are going to play it off saying, well, they didn't really play, yada, yada, yada. That still doesn't mean they're bad players. And, you know, the first player that actually did announce, you know, right as the season ended, you know, his intent to transfer from Texas A&M was going to be former four-star recruit and edge rusher Donnell Harris. Now, Donnell, he comes out of Miami, Florida. 
He was a top 50 recruit coming out of the 2021 class. Had an immense amount of you know talent, but as we all know, A&M is so incredibly stacked on the defensive line, and especially in the edge rush position, right? They are like, I can't even name to you all the guys they have because to be frank, I can't even remember half of them because they are so incredibly stacked. He was also a uh, uh, he was also a top 10 player coming out of the state of Florida, which if you're a top 10 player coming out of the state of Florida, Florida, you're pretty darn good. And well, he would announce his uh, announce his intent to transfer, you know, from Texas A&M. You know, he's looking at a lot of schools right now. My favoring bet right now would probably be Florida State, seeing what they've been able to do with some transfer edge rushes. You know, you got Jermaine Johnson, the former Georgia Bulldog, who went to Florida State, had an amazing year in the ACC, actually won ACC Defensive Player of the Year last year, and is balling out with the Jets right now. And then also Florida State, they got that uh, U U of Albany kid who's been pretty pretty good so far for them so I would honestly bet he ends up going to Florida State Mike Norvell's doing really good things down there in Tallahassee but um and also my bad he was a 2020 uh linebacker not a 2021 my bad he was a 2020 linebacker but regardless never saw the playing time he really wanted I mean when you get offers from Alabama Miami and Florida and you're not really playing that much where you're at right now don't really blame him for one to hit the exit and I mean, obviously, that's what he's going to do, but expect him to go to the – he'll still be in the SEC, but he'll probably be at a school in Florida or he'll go to Florida State. Now, y'all, for the next guy that we had de- uh, actually enter the transfer portal from Texas A&M, this time it was going to be former top 200 recruit in the class of 2021 and a Pennsylvania native, Elijah Judy. Now, Elijah, once again, kind of similar to Dono, never really got a lot of playing time here at A&M. He's only been with them for two years, but kind of started to get stacked, you know, you know, below all those talented freshmen that came in for the Aggies. And he's just won another fresh start. I mean, you can't really blame him. I don't think that a lot of this has to do with Jimbo Fisher. I think it's the fact that these guys know that they're super talented. They're going to be able to start at a different Power 5 school. And I really expect probably Elijah to end up going to the Big Ten. But I really could see Penn State, obviously, because he's from Pennsylvania, being a school definitely to look at. You got Oregon. You got a couple other schools he could potentially go to. So he'll stay in the Power 5. But once again, just another guy that – Never really saw the time that he wanted to during his time at A&M. And, you know, since we're talking about guys that never really saw the time that they wanted, our next recruit that we had, who was a four-star coming out of the 2022 class, Texas A&M linebacker Ish Harris. Now, Ish Harris was a guy I personally liked a lot. I'm from I'm from uh, Bonham, Texas, so he, he came from Pilot Point, so I know kind of that general area. And this guy was a dog in high school. And when he committed to A&M, it was a huge get for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies. But as we all know, they're still pretty stacked at linebacker. You know, they had Andre White and Edger and Cooper, but both of those guys would miss games this year. Still never really got any time playing. And, you know, honestly, now that a lot of those guys are going to be leaving, it kind of set up Ish to want to go, you know, be the starting linebacker. And obviously there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, in terms of, oh, well, am I guaranteed going to be able to stay or yada, yada, yada. But Ish decided to enter the transfer portal and, you know, honestly, I, I really don't know where he might go. I, I could potentially see him staying in Texas or going up to Oklahoma, one of those two. I think he's going to stay kind of near home. Maybe Texas Tech will be a good spot, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, UT. But he will definitely stay in Texas or somewhere here in the south. Just don't know where. And, you know, there's going to be a lot more guys that are going to transfer out, especially a lot of offensive guys. I full-heartedly expect Haynes King to probably transfer here soon. And by the time this episode comes out, we may have already seen it. And we're also going to talk about another big-time quarterback that is entering the transfer portal. But, um, yeah, and then the final recruit that we're going to talk about from A&M that's actually transferring. And this is a guy that I've been really high on. And that is former four-star running back LJ Johnson. Now, he was a four-star in the 2021 class. Has really been banged up his whole career. and has never really gotten an opportunity, which isn't necessarily due to him being 
really far down on the depth chart, but obviously when you got guys like Devon A-Chain and all those super talented backs, it's going to make it a little bit harder on them to be able to get some playing time. And also, too, we saw the emergence of Moss, who's a freshman running back for the Aggies, so that definitely would hurt him in playing time-wise. But LJ Johnson has a ton of potential. I know a ton of Power 5 schools are going to be looking at him majorly. So... Another really super talented kid that I think, honestly, a and is really going to hate having him go because, no offense, this kid is absolutely a stud. You know, they're going to be losing, you know, Devon A. Chain to the draft this year as well. And LJ could have been a really good depth piece, but obviously he wants to play somewhere immediately. And I think that's going to be the best decision for him going forward. So, yeah, a and they're already starting to lose a bunch of kids, but... I wouldn't necessarily say it's all because of Jimbo Fisher losing the locker room just yet. I think a lot of these guys just realized, okay, it probably was not the smartest thing going to A&M, seeing all these other kids, you know, commit, you know, bigger stars, everything like that. And I normally don't care too much about bigger stars and everything, but in terms of how much NIL money these guys probably had to pay a lot of these top recruits and how much playing time they promised them, it pretty much would make it impossible for any of the four three-star guys that are going into this program. So, but anyway, we've already had four A&M Aggies already head to the um, head of the transfer portal. And the season isn't even officially a wrap. It's just the regular season. So there'll probably continue to be 10, 20 more guys that'll end up leaving. But there's something to kind of keep your eyes on. And, you know, if we see any big-time names, definitely definitely you can start raising the question, you know, is there something going on in A&M in terms of Jimbo Fisher actually losing that locker room of the Aggies? Now, y'all, we'll quit talking about A&M and ragging on them because I know a lot of Aggie fans listening in. So I I promise you we'll quit ragging on your Aggies. But now we're going to talk about some quarterback transfers we've gotten. And we've gotten some pretty decent quarterbacks that are hitting the transfer portal. And the first one I want to talk about, the most notable quarterback that actually announced their transfer was going to be former Michigan starting quarterback Cade McNamara. Now, Cade McNamara was a top 300 recruit coming out of high school in the class of 2019 out of Reno, Nevada. And during his playing time, you know, at Michigan, he was a solid quarterback. You know, didn't see any action in his first year because Shea Patterson was still the starter at the time for the Wolverines. And then he would actually outbeat Joe Milton, who's now the backup over at Tennessee. And, you know, didn't never was really anything obse- exceptionally great. I'm not going to act like he was some elite quarterback talent when he played at Michigan because obviously there was better quarterbacks, but he was pretty good. And, you know, his, his job really came into jeopardy whenever five-star quarterback J.J. McCarthy, who's coming off a week just now where they went into Columbus, Columbus and beat Ohio State, you know, he came in, started showing some improvement, and really started, you know, re- uh, rising a lot of questions up. You know, could Cade McNamara actually get benched in favor of J.J. McCarthy? And, well, last year, Cade, Cade McNamara led Michigan to their first college football playoff appearance, led them to a Big Ten championship, you know, and so many of these accolades and his total stats on the year last year at Michigan, he threw for 2,576 yards and 15 touchdowns on six interceptions. So not a bad stat line. But, obviously, the offense was not playing up to the level that they could have under Cade. So when the 2022 season came around, there was a full-on quarterback battle between Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy would ultimately win it after Jim Harbaugh gave both of these two guys a game a piece to work with as a starting quarterback and you know it's been future from then Cade McNamara has been sitting behind JJ McCarthy and finally he said you know what I still have two years of eligibility left I'm going to hit the transfer portal and there's still going to be a ton of power five teams that are going to be looking to get him you know one intriguing one I've heard a little bit about has been Oklahoma State potentially you know the air raid offense they've got going on over there in Stillwater they've got a ton of great wide receiver talent still they got some pretty solid running backs as well um, 
I'm trying to think of some other schools that might be really good. I think we'll probably head out back west a little bit. UCLA could potentially be one. You know, DTR is going to be leaving in the draft as this is this was his final year of eligibility. So there's a lot of options for Cade McNamara because, once again, we saw what he did last year. He flashed a ton of promise, especially with his arm. So definitely one of the bigger, bigger, bigger players right now that is entering the transfer portal. And definitely don't be shocked if you see this guy getting targeted by a ton of schools. Now, y'all, for the next quarterback I do want to talk about, we're going to talk about Georgia Tech quarterback Jeff Sims. Now, Jeff Jeff Sims originally, before he would actually go to Georgia Tech, was committed to Florida State. Now, he would flip his commitment to Jeff Collins and the Yellow Jackets, you know, once they finally switched out of the triple option and went to the spread, thinking he'd be able to throw the football a little bit better. But ultimately, throughout his time as a Yellow Jacket, he would have poor offensive line play, not really have a lot of weapons around him. The only big-time weapon that Jeff Sims has really had during his time with the Yellow Jackets has been Jameer Gibbs. And even then, Jameer Gibbs transferred out and went to Alabama. So for Jeff Sims, this year did not go the way he wanted it to whatsoever. Missed the final five games due to an injury, which you could probably say also was him too, just holding out, waiting to enter the transfer portal as well. So... But just to put it into perspective of how good this guy is, he's got the makings of a quicker Josh Allen. He's got a really good arm. Accuracy at times is a little bit questionable. Still needs to improve a little bit with that, but he's got a rocket arm. He's faster than absolutely anything. I mean, he, he, he's the true definition of a dual-threat quarterback. And, and I've seen a lot of draft like draft scouts really high on him too, saying like he could potentially be a top 10 pick. And I wouldn't say top 10 pick, but definitely I could see potentially if he does have a really good last two years of eligibility in whatever team he goes to, I think he could really be a solid quarterback. So um, for me personally, I've seen a lot of teams floating around for Jeff Sims. you got Maryland, who was one of his finalists to land him after he decommitted from Florida State. And I know Florida State is not really going to be an option anymore because four-star quarterback and former Ohio State commit Brock Glenn, he decided to uh, decided to flip his commitment and go to the Seminoles. So really watch out for Maryland being kind of a top you know landing spot for Jeff Sims considering that Talia Tagovailoa is going to be leaving after this year to go to the NFL. So there is plenty of really athletic quarterbacks that are hitting the transfer portal. And the next guy we're going to talk about is also one of those who – is not as good with his arm, not the same type of level as Jeff Sims, where he's going to be a really good starting quarterback at the Power 5 level. Will likely have to go to the Group of 5 level, but I think can be a really solid quarterback in college football. And that's going to be Arkansas backup quarterback Malik Hornsby. Now Malik, he's constantly been, you know, Anytime he's come into the game, he's mostly been used on a lot of quarterback draws, quarterback run plays, you know, RPOs, play actions, you know, something that will get him out of the pocket because he's not that good throwing the football in the pocket. I would be lying to you. Um, you know, this kind of was just a little bit of a surprising move considering K.J. Jefferson is going to be going probably to the draft next year, or I think he might have one year. I lied. He might be having uh, – I think he has one more year. So, But either way, really shocking news out of – Malik Hornsby to want to be entering the transfer portal because last year he did the same thing. So don't hold your breath too much, but I think this time it will be legit because I think he's trying to be able to go start somewhere immediately. You know, he's got about, I think, three years of eligibility left. He's got a lot of talent. I think if he's properly developed, he can turn into a really good college football quarterback, especially with his mobility. I think, honestly, he's got a lot of the makings of Lamar Jackson, but just with a little bit of a worse arm. But anyway, Malik is a really good quarterback that is now hitting the transfer portal as well. And now, y'all, for the final quarterback that I do want to talk about that is hitting the transfer portal, we're going to go over to Arizona State as we're going to talk about former Alabama quarterback and current Arizona State backup quarterback Paul Tyson. Now, Paul Tyson, in case you don't know, is the great-grandson of former legendary college football head coach Bear Bryant. So, obviously, football runs in his blood. And, you know, he was at Alabama for a few years, was 
pretty much third string or scout team this whole entire time at Alabama. Decided to transfer to Arizona State to potentially be able to become the starter. And then Emory Jones transferred in from Florida and was the backup the whole entire season. And then also, too, once Emory Jones went down with an injury, Trenton Borgay would take over as the starting quarterback for the Arizona State Sun Devils, leaving Paul Tyson pretty much at the point now where he's going to have to transfer out. He's going to go down to probably the group of five level if he's going to want to get any type of playing time. Um, you know, he's not a bad quarterback. Definitely is a pocket passer. You know, he's got great size as well. So I definitely expect a couple teams to be really, really adamant about getting him. But um, not a big-time quarterback, but just somebody that I think could really make a difference for a group of five team, potentially a guy that could go to Western Kentucky. So, for, you know, go, for example, and then absolutely ball out. We saw how well that worked for Bailey Zappi. So Paul Tyson, the great-grandson of Bear Bryant, is hitting the transfer portal for his second time as he now has left Alabama and Arizona State. Now, guys, now that we're done talking about quarterbacks, we have some two pretty big wide receivers that also hit the transfer portal. And the first one I want to talk about, who is also one of the best wide receivers in the SEC this year, is Missouri starting wide receiver Michael Lovett. Now, Michael had himself an absolute bounce-back season, finishing third in total receiving yards this year in the SEC, only trailing Tennessee's Jalen Hyatt and South Carolina's Antoine Wells Jr. So, pretty good company he was behind. Um, also, too, he's only a sophomore, so he's still got about, I think, three years of eligibility left. And, man, is this kid a stud. He showcased it so much. He's a great slot receiver. You know, his final stats on the year were 56 catches for 184 or 100 or 846 yards along with three touchdowns. So not a touchdown machine, but definitely he showcased a lot of that talent against Arkansas in the final regular season game of the year for the Missouri Tigers. And this one's not too much of a shocker. Uh Nothing, you know, nothing against Missouri. I mean, he he's a hometown kid. He went to East St. Louis, the same school as five-star wide receiver Luther Burden, who's currently, you know, just got done with his freshman year at Missouri and is actually staying. We'll talk about that here in a second. But you, you got to imagine a lot of schools are probably going to be offering him big-time NIL deals. Schools like Texas, schools like Alabama, Georgia, and I highly expect him to end up going to one of those schools. I think the betting favor right now, if I was anybody out there that might bet on this would probably be Georgia you know Georgia they still need you know a few wide receivers obviously you still got Brock Bowers you still got Washington you still got a couple other really solid young wide receivers but getting a guy like Michael Lovett who will be able to fit into the slot would just absolutely make that offense so completely dynamic and I mean seriously he's truly going to be an absolute difference maker for whatever team lands him so former four-star wide receiver and Missouri standout wide receiver Michael Lovett has entered the transfer portal as he's just going to be one of many wide receivers to enter into the transfer portal this offseason. Now, y'all, we're going to talk about our final uh, wide receiver and player, actually, in this episode that's hitting the transfer portal. And it was a big-time wide receiver coming out of Allen High School, five-star recruit, top 25 player in the nation in Theo Weiss Jr. Now, Theo, unfortunately, his, his Oklahoma career has been absolutely surrounded and pretty much derailed by just injury issues. Never really has gotten his mark set at OU as his total statistics so far as a Sooner before he did hit the transfer portal. Let me look at him real quick. Uh, let's see here. Am I just blind? Okay. His total stats, and he barely has over 1,000 yards receiving in his career at Oklahoma and has about 10 touchdowns. Now, he still does have two years of eligibility left. He's a graduate trans graduate transfer. My Lord, I can't talk. And I still think he has a ton of, uh, ton of talent, ton and ton of talent. Five-star recruit coming out of high school, like we just mentioned. is really lengthy, kind of has a frame similar to like Odell Beckham Jr. So kid's going to be absolutely talented. There's going to be a ton of, ton of schools, not kids, ton of schools are going to be looking to try and get him. 
Um, I do expect him to probably end up going to the SEC, kind of like we saw with Jaden Hazelwood, who went to Arkansas. I think Theo Weiss will kind of follow in that same same category, either go to school like Arkansas or Ole Miss or something like that. Um, you know, he's only had two career 100-yard games in his career. You know, his most recent one was against Texas Tech this past weekend, in which he had 123 receiving yards and a touchdown as well. But once again, there's a lot of potential with this kid, and I think a bunch of SEC schools are going to want him, and probably a lot of Big Ten schools as well, but I do think he'll stay down here in the South. But yeah, former five-star wide receiver Theo Weiss has entered the transfer portal after having a pretty injury-derailed career with the Oklahoma Sooners. Now, y'all, that's going to be it in terms of talking about transfer portal, guys. I'll follow it up next week, and we'll recap all the new guys that got transferred out and everything. But now we're going to talk about some of the head coaches we've had just completely flip and go to different programs. And boy, oh boy, has it been a really entertaining first week here of the offseason. Now, technically, it's not the offseason, but for a lot of teams, it is the offseason. So, you know, they're already looking forward to getting their new head coach. And a lot of schools, they found themselves a new head coach. And Stanford, they lost their head coach of 12 seasons. But first off, we're going to talk about a move by Nebraska that I think is going to be so monumental going forward in terms of recruiting, NIL, play on the field and just overall a better atmosphere up there in Lincoln and obviously of course I'm talking about Nebraska going out and hiring former Baylor and Carolina Panthers head coach Matt Rule to become their next head coach now we saw the Scott Freeze you know experiment absolutely fail you know hometown kid going back to where he played college football and Things just didn't work out. Things just simply did not work out. Obviously had a lot of success at UCF, but just did not translate over into the Big Ten. And now they're left, okay, who are we going to go after? You know, first it was Urban Meyer, which I feel like every, and I mean every school pretty much is always going to want Urban Meyer. But it, lately it would, it would get shut down after a while. And then finally, once Matt Rule would get fired from Carolina, that's when it kind of emerged that, okay, there's going to be a lot of colleges that want to go after him because he rebuilt two programs in college football. Temple at the time, in which he gave them two 10-win seasons and also led them to get ESPN College game day for the first time, which is a huge deal considering Temple is not a national brand school. Then he would go down to Baylor and then pretty much rebuilt that from absolutely nothing. You know, had a Two, had a two-win season his first year, and then once he left to go to the NFL, left them when they were 11-3. and three. So he's done an absolutely tremendous job of rebuilding college football programs, and now he's bringing that same resume to Lincoln, Nebraska, which has more financial backing, has all the NIL deals in the world. Dakotas Crawford is one of the coolest ones out there. Make sure to check it out if you don't know what I'm talking about. And then also, too, just a good backing, a good support system from him. They're good. I mean, I know they're not going to beat Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State in terms of getting recruits to go to the Big Ten, but for a lot of the recruits that don't get offered by those schools and they're from that general area and they're super talented, Matt Rule knows how to develop those guys. Obviously, things in the NFL did not work out, but that does not make him a bad football coach. Yes, is he a bad NFL coach? You'd be correct, but in terms of him being a bad college football coach, Nada. We've seen what he's done. It might take him a year or two, but all we know is that Matt Rule will get things turned around in Nebraska, and I full-heartedly believe that. So Nebraska, they got themselves an absolute steal of a coach in Matt Rule who's going to absolutely flip this program from where they have been and get them back to pretty much, I don't want to say their glory days because I don't think they'll compete for national championships, but at least they'll be back in terms of competing for a Big Ten championship. And then potentially, you never know, they might get up to that point where Matt Rule is able to get them to that national championship level that we saw when Tom Osborne was the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So, anyways, y'all, the next head coaching hiring I want to talk about, we're going to go down to Georgia Tech. Now, Georgia Tech was pretty interesting because there's a lot of head coaches they could have gotten right. Deion Sanders was kind of one of the bigger name ones. 
obviously he's not even could he's not even thinking about going to Georgia Tech. So Georgia Tech had to go a different route. You know, they stayed in the South still, but they went over to one of the you know one of the programs this year that's absolutely emerged as the best group of five teams so far. And that was in Tulane. You know, they looked at the head coach Willie Fritz and said, you know what? He was able to rebuild this Tulane team. Didn't have all the best players in the world, but was able to develop them very similar to what Matt Rule did. And they said, you know what, we'll hire you. So Georgia Tech, their new head coach is going to be Tulane head coach Willie Fritz. Now, I do not like this move by Willie Fritz for leaving the team right before they're about to have their conference championship game this weekend against UCF. I think he probably should have waited until at least after after the conference championship game. But I understand Georgia Tech probably said, you know, we need you to, you know, come ASAP and Lord and behold, he accepted it, which I don't blame him one bit. you got to support your family. But um, I think this is going to be a good hire for the Georgia Tech. You know, Willie Fritz, I mean, 2-10 and 10 last year with the Tulane Green Wave, and then now this year went 10-2, and two, and they're on the verge of winning the American Athletic Conference Championship, which unfortunately he will not be the coach of. So if they lose that game, it's a little bit shaky, and I know obviously the team might be a little bit demoralized. But, you know, overall, he's done a really good job of getting a lot of quality talent to Tulane, right? No four-star, five-star kids, but the three-star kids and under that he's getting are absolutely dominant. Tajay Spears is a great example of that, a guy that I think will probably hit the transfer portal here soon just because also his head coach left, and I think he'll probably do the same and might even follow him to Georgia Tech. So something to kind of watch there. But anyway, Georgia Tech's getting themselves a new head coach, and that is in the form of former Tulane head coach Willie Fritz. Now, guys, for one of the more shocking moves that we had so far here in the little coaching pandemonium that we've had so far here in the end of the 2023 uh, preseason or 2022 offseason, we're going to go out to Cincinnati as Cincinnati head coach Luke Fickle would shock the whole Cincinnati community. And I think all of the college football community as a whole, it would announce that he would be taking the Wisconsin head coaching gig and would be leaving behind Cincinnati. Now, there probably was a ton of money involved in this. And once again, do not be mad at the coach for accepting the job. The amount of money these guys are getting offered nowadays is life-changing money. It's going to change his family's trajectory for the rest of their lives and family lines and everything like that. So don't blame the coaches for taking these gigs. Now, yes, probably could have waited a little bit. But at the same time, I don't blame him. No players are hating on him really for doing it because, once again, he rebuilt Cincinnati from nothing led them to their first college football playoff appearance last year against Alabama a game in which they didn't even play that bad you know they held their weight against Alabama they also were able to win the American Athletic Conference Championship last year as well and the year prior to that so he's done some amazing things at Cincinnati had you know Obviously had a first rounder taken last year in Sauce Gardner to the Jets. Had multiple NFL round and most had multiple players get picked into the NFL draft. And, you know, also was able to get Cincinnati to go to the Big 12 next year. So he has done so much for the Cincinnati team. So I do not want to hear any type of hate about Luke Fickle taking this job to Wisconsin. Because I think nine times out of ten, every coach in the in the country would if you were and I mean the biggest argument that I've seen is the fact of okay, well, Cincinnati's going to a power five conference. You know, why are you leaving to go to another Power 5 conference when your school that you rebuilt and you built up all the way to fit your scheme, fit your squad and everything, you know, why are you leaving to go there? Once again, I think this is really more of a money-based decision because the Big Ten, they're going to get a huge pay raise here soon when they add USC and UCLA. And obviously, you know, that's probably something Wisconsin was kind of telling about and kind of made a little bit appealing was, hey, you know, we're going to start adding a lot more programs. There's going to be a lot more money flow and everything like that coming through the conference. And, you know, also, too, Wisconsin, 
kids want to go there, especially running backs. You know, they got Braylon Allen right now who was kind of contemplating if he would stay or not because Paul Chris got fired and didn't know if his running back coach was going to get fired. But I think Luke Fickle coming back to Wisconsin is going to keep Braylon Allen a Badger. And also we've seen the great track record that the ba- the Badgers have in terms of being able to put uh, – you know, put backs into the NFL. You got Melvin Gordon. You got Jonathan Taylor. You got James White. You got uh, Monty Ball. I mean, you've got so many great running backs that have come out of Wisconsin. So I think it's a really ideal spot for Luke Fickle because, once again, he's really good at building up, rebuilding a program similar to Matt Rule. And I mean, it's just a really—it's just one of those things where it makes sense. You know, eventually he was going to get offered something that he could not refuse, and Wisconsin decided to do that before another school did. So, really good hire by Wisconsin to get Luke Fickle. I know Cincinnati—they're in pain right now because he left, but at the same time, be thankful for what he did give y'all. I mean. He was an amazing head coach during his tenure at Cincinnati, and definitely it's going to be exciting to see Wisconsin and see how they do under Luke Fickle as their new head coach. Now, y'all, for the final hiring that we're going to have in today's episode, there will probably be more throughout the week, but at least in terms of today's episode, I want to talk about Arizona State getting themselves a new head coach. Now, as we all know, Herm Edwards would get fired midseason after just a, t- just a horrible start to the year. So, so they would decide to go and look for a hometown kid, kind of similar to what Nebraska did, And they would look at Oregon offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham. Now, Kenny Dillingham spent last year as the offensive coordinator for the Florida State Seminoles. And, you know, after seeing what he was able to do with Bo Nix this year and just how amazing that Oregon offense was, you know, putting up at least over 30 points in what felt like every single game outside of the Utah game, you know, he's going to be very attracted to a lot of schools. And, well, he's an Arizona native, which is another huge factor in kind of what led him to go back to Arizona and, you know, officially – the Sun Devils decided to hire Kenny Dillingham. They're, they're going to take a chance on him. He's actually the youngest head coach right now in college football at 32 years old. Yes, he is 32 years old and is now the head coach of a college football team. He's a great offensive guy. I know Florida State fans are going to be like, oh, come on now. We were begging for him to get fired. But at the same time, he has a lot of potential. I think he's going to do some really good things for this Arizona State team. He's already targeting a lot of Arizona kids and wants to you know, make sure the state of Arizona stays in the state of Arizona. So that's another really good sign if you are a Sun Devil fan. So the future is bright for Arizona State. I know you got all those sanctions and everything like that, but definitely under Kenny, Dillon, Kenny Dillingham, it might be pretty good. Now, there's going to definitely be some – don't expect this to be smooth whatsoever. I probably would only expect about four or five wins next year at most. But definitely let him get some – to give him some time. Let him be able to get the recruits he wants. And I think this Arizona State team, they can potentially get back to competing in the Pac-12. Now, y'all, for the final thing that I do want to talk about in today's first episode of Catching Up with College Football, we're going to go – we're going to stay on the West Coast, but we're going to go over a little bit more West as we're going to go over to Stanford and, well – Stanford, they're going to be losing their head coach of 12 years and David Shaw. And, well, this is not really doesn't really come as a, as a surprise because the past few years have been really rough. If you're a Stanford fan, you know, not really having any sort of success whatsoever, especially what you got used to, you know, about a decade ago when Andrew Luck was your starting quarterback. And, you know, kind of in the mid-2010s when you had Kevin Hogan and that whole Stanford squad. But, you know, this move by David Shaw doesn't really surprise that many people. We all figured he was going to either get fired or he was going to leave. And kind of similar to what happened to Gary Patterson last year at TCU, he instead decides to resign. And, you know, his biggest thing is he doesn't want to go immediately back into coaching. But I think if a school offers him a job, I think he'll definitely take it. And I definitely expect a lot of programs to be interested in him becoming their next head coach just because simply what he was able to do at Stanford – uh, it's kind of a toss-up because it's also a fact of, well, Stanford, you know, they're in the West Coast. It's got a little bit harder to get recruits because, you know, a lot of recruits are going to rather go to schools like USC, UCLA, 
you know, over going to Stanford, which is very much a hard school to get into on top of that, kind of similar to Notre Dame in that aspect. So David Shaw, he resigns as the head coach of Stanford. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see who becomes the next head coach at Stanford because there's a lot of candidates that could become. There's a lot of rumors about Dave Aranda, the Baylor head coach, Paul Chris, the former Wisconsin head coach. So just something to kind of keep your eye on and see, you know, how that whole thing goes because, well, Stanford, they're really right now at a really rocky point. And, but, you know, once again, can't go any deeper. You can only go up from here. So hopefully Stanford, they do get themselves a decent head coach and get back to the success that they had back in the 2010s. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode and the first episode of Catching Up with College Football. I mean, this is going to be an absolute blast to continue to do with y'all on a weekly basis. Now, these are going to continue to come out on Fridays at 12 p.m. Central Time like we do with every other episode. Um, also, if there's a lot more news that happens and a lot more things I need to cover, we might start posting twice a week. But right now, just to you know, until the season's over with, it'll just be once a week, and that'll be on Fridays at 12 p.m. Central Time. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you continue to stay up to date with everything and anything college football and NFL related by following the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast, Instagram, and TikTok. Both are linked down below in the description of today's episode. So, guys, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for listening. Thank you for just simply being you and trying to love some college football like the same way that I do every day by talking college football with y'all consistently. So, guys, thank you so much, and I'll see you all in the next one. Peace.